This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today, we've got a very special guest with us. We have Brother Charles Rodis, an incredible uh, minister of the gospel, uh, a very uh, monumental man of God, I believe, in the uh, Apostolic Pentecostal movement. Um, he's written several books, two of which I own. Uh, I'm telling you, these are tremendous resources for every Christian. Uh, Urgent Need of the Hour uh, and uh, Unlocking the Secrets to Fasting. Uh, you're you're going to want to get yourself a copy because I'm telling you, it's an incredible resource. Um, and it was a blessing to me, and I'm sure it would be a blessing to you if you do not have a copy of those already. So... Brother Rodis, why don't you just tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your ministry, where you, where you are are located currently, um, and what God's doing uh, through you today. Thank you, Brother Crooker. I appreciate uh, that very much, and thank you for having me on your show. I don't know if that's right right word or not, maybe not, but uh, but I do appreciate it, and uh, we're excited about what God is doing, and uh, I've been uh, ministering the gospel for more than 35 years, and uh, had the Holy Ghost for more than 40 years, and uh, second generation Pentecost. My mom just passed more than a month ago. She was a great prayer warrior, a person of fasting and prayer, gifts of the Spirit, uh, just a powerful ministry among women, deliverance ministry. And so I'm proud of that, just proud of my heritage. She was 90. So uh, we're just very, you could say, proud in a good way um, uh, of our background and what uh, God has allowed us to be part of and what has allowed me to see and hear. We're in Hammond, Indiana. That's northwest Indiana. Um say right near Chicago, about as close to Chicago as you can get up in the corner of the state. And uh, that's where we are. Um, planted a church here. Uh, we were in that ministry for about, I think, 14 years, if I remember correct. And uh, then uh, we left that for a little while and we're uh, we're back now. We put a pastor in there, um, and uh, we're back uh, working with him a little bit. And uh, it's kind of a strange, awkward situation. Some might think, but I'm very comfortable with uh, uh, whatever God wants. I, you know, I'm just comfortable with it. <laughs> so uh, we just want to flow in God, and uh, we want to see God do things. And uh, I believe in the miraculous. I believe that God still works through His people not just preachers, but I believe he works through his body. So again, thank you so much. Absolutely. So today um, we're going to be talking about uh, prayer specifically. Um, recently, uh, Brother Rodas uh, released a book, um, The Urgent Need of the Hour. Um, and uh, I mean, again, incredible material, Brother Rodas. Uh a blessing to my life and I'm sure others. Um, I would like you to just talk to us a little bit about 
about prayer, what, what prayer is, and, and maybe um, how we function as a church through prayer in our connection uh, with God. All right. Well, um, you know, you know as well as I do, it's a vast subject, and I don't claim to know at all at all. Uh, but the little bit I do know and experienced over my life, and been privileged to have some great mentors and teachers and uh, people that I many times uh, attached myself to that they didn't even know I did. You know, through the different means of ministry nowadays, uh, what I we used to say cassette tapes. You know, so much to learn from. Billy Cole was my secret mentor, uh, verbal being, Lee Stone King, uh, and these types of people that uh, I so appreciate that maybe didn't know me, but I knew them and could learn from prayer. Uh, like one man wrote, uh, he wrote a book called Power in Prayer. His name was E.M. Bounds. He lived during the days of the Civil War. He was a chaplain, and he wrote several books on prayer. I recommend getting that book. The original title was called The Preacher and Prayer. Um, but a lot of good content there. So, you know, doing a lot of reading and studying, uh, you know, you begin to learn, of course. But if we don't pray, there's no way to walk with God. It is the breath of God. It's the breath of the soul. Uh, if a person's not praying and seeking after God, there's no way to walk in the spirit, Brother Crooker. Mm. There's no way to walk in the, the spirit. And, you know, the denominal world says you can't live above sin and you, you sin every day and you can't help it because they're walking in the flesh. And they're honestly telling the truth in their situation because if you're in the flesh, you will sin every day in some way or another. I reckon even people that walk in the spirit, many are sinning every day. But I shouldn't say that walk in the spirit i should say people that have the holy ghost because i believe if you're truly walking in the spirit you're not going to uh you're not going to sin you're not going to sin when you're quote unquote walking in the spirit i believe the spirit will enable you to live above sin and um not that we get carnal sometimes and we get fleshly sometimes and but uh, when we're walking like we need to, we're not walking in a sinful state. But how does that happen? It happens through prayer. Prayer is the key. Prayer and fasting is the master key to the impossible. God can do anything through these means. God can do anything through you or me or anybody else uh, when we pray, when we pour out our soul. And a big problem uh, about all of this is we don't empty out. And when we don't empty out, Brother Crooker, God is, he can't put in if we don't empty out. We've got to, we've got to empty out of ourselves and our carnality and our worldliness. And then God can put in, and he does that through prayer. Yeah. Wow. I feel like, so whenever I'm making decisions in life or... Uh, things come up that are urgent, um, that need attention. I have made a habit of spending time before making a final decision in prayer uh, because I don't want to make a decision that leads me outside of the will of God for my life. Uh, 
And so even when I'm preparing messages, I believe in, in taking time to study. I believe in taking time to read the Word of God. Um, but in that, in prayer, it's finding the leading of the Spirit because every single service has a very unique um, fingerprint, if you will, um, where God wants to do something very special and very unique uh, for that body of people that has gathered. Um, and I find that what we're seeing is more and more of uh, people who, and and I could be wrong, but I, I feel like there are more and more people who are orchestrating their services and not necessarily praying and seeking God's will for those services. Right, right. I, I, I can totally agree with you there. And I, I'm, I've been guilty of what I'm going to say. I've been guilty probably more than I've not been guilty of this. But it's something I'm striving for. It's the reason I bring it up because I, I believe it's vital to us that we're really going to see God do what he wants to do. But uh, I think we we pray too many times, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to do this. I, you know, quote, unquote, feel led. I'm going to do this, God. And God, will you bless it? God, I want you to bless it. And that's all well and good. But when we're making serious decisions, especially ministry decisions, asking God to bless something we've decided to do, um, that's not what I find in the book of Acts, and that's not what I find about the old timers in hearing the testimonies. And sometimes they would pray, evangelists would pray weeks before they would go on the next revival. But all of a sudden, God would speak a clear word, where to go. I heard a testimony, the man never even heard of the town. He found out where it was, but when he got there, when God spoke to him, great revival happened. You know, it's not about, and I'm not criticizing schedules and all those things. You know, I'm not at all, you know, and I know there's a place for all that. But I, I tell you, I, I'm like you. I want to know the will of God. I want to find the will of God for every church service. There is, I've always believed, there is a will of God tomorrow, Sunday. This recording is taking place on Saturday afternoon, evening. But tomorrow, Sunday, there is a will for that church service where we're going to be in there's there's a will of god what does god want to do i i need to find my place uh, i like what billy cole used to say you know he's passed away but he'd say you know so much so and so number of people got the holy ghost he said they didn't get the holy ghost because i was there they didn't nobody got the holy ghost because because i was there he said i found out what god was going to do and i showed up see wow. and when we could find out what god wants to do okay and then show up and that's easier to say than than do it but uh, that's the that's the spiritual goal. So sometimes, would you say it was correct to say that uh, prayer? A lot of times is us praying through our flesh into the will of God. Well, yeah, I, I believe that exactly. Um, because um, I was just praying earlier today, and and uh, you know God was dealing with me about all this stuff that keeps us from Him, and it's not always sins. Sometimes it's weights. It's just stuff we collect in our spirit. 
you know, um, you know, all the social media, all the, you know, it's not all wrong. You know, it's not every time you click on a little video to watch doesn't mean it's wrong. You know, you're on Facebook doesn't mean it's wrong, but we collect mm. so much information and so many hours and hours and days and our spirit is full of other stuff. And we've got to empty out of this stuff so that God can pour in and to mechanically preach and to mechanically pray. You know, I find myself mechanically praying sometimes. Why? Because I'm not empty out. I'm being honest. I'm not emptied out. Mm. I've got to empty out of myself so the Holy Ghost can pray through me. And that's one of the things, if we get a chance to talk about, is intercessory prayer. It's so key. It's so vital. And I deal with that in the book. And and I've been fortunate to be around it some. And my mom was an intercessor. And um, But if we don't empty out again, we're not going to get far. We're going to do everything in mechanics. We're going to do everything. I can preach a good message in my flesh, and most people won't know it. Because it'll be good. It'll be godly. It'll be the word of God. You know, I could preach it, you know, and muster up, quote unquote, anointing and all that. Because the sheep typically are undiscerning. Or lack of discernment. But do I want to do that? I still don't want to do that just because I could get by with it. I want to have that rich, mm. pure anointing. Yeah. Unless I stay in his presence. Unless I stay and seek God, purify me, cleanse me, empty me out. God, I want to empty out of everything of my spirit that you could pour in of yourself and anoint me to whatever you have me do. Yeah. Wow. We've got to, I, I mean, as, as, a, as a corporate body, the, the body of Christ in its entirety, we've got to get to a place where if we're, because we've been hearing about the revival since I was a kid. It's going to be overflowing. We're not going to be able to, there won't be any seeds. We're going to have to build on. We're going to have to expand. We're going to have to have daughter works. We're going to have to do, but in, we do a lot of the preparing for that in, in the natural sense, but have we really been praying and and preparing in that spiritual sense? Because with growth is going to come a lot more problems. And if we're not in a, in a place uh, that's right, that's holy, that's loving, that's caring. We're gonna look at these situations, and we're gonna we're we're gonna just we're gonna we're gonna mess it up. And then we have a hand right, in right. in uh, not deferring the will of God for these people's lives, but probably hindering their growth. And so I I, I believe that. Through prayer, prayer prepares us for those moments, and and because God will give us the words to say, he, He'll He'll put it on our heart, but we've got to be willing to uh, to pray about it. The Bible was in um, pray without ceasing. So if we're praying without ceasing, right, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, does that mean that we're always praying? I don't know that I be, that I would say that, but in a in a place where 
I have, in the morning, when I first wake up, I've prayed, and I've said, God, not my will, thy will be done. You lead me to the people, you speak through me, and, and, and allow me to be a vessel for you and for your glory. Now, for my own, right, right. and we see a lot of, and, I, I, and I'm not against conferences, I'm not, but I think a lot of times we blow conferences out of proportion, and yes, we've got a, we've got a great speaker, and, and, we, and we sort of idolize these really great preachers, and when we're doing that, uh, we might really be hindering what God wants to do. we do because we're we're so fleshly and um um heard Nona Freeman say you know we're carnal at best (laughs) wow she said that we're carnal at best and uh you know people that could hear from God you know you could hear God but do you always know it's him Mm. you know I could hear your voice but if I don't know you well enough, if I'm not hearing your voice enough, I may not recognize who you are. You know, John was called the disciple in whom Jesus loved. I don't think that was a correct statement necessarily. I don't think Jesus loved him any more than the other 11. I think it looked like it. I think it probably seemed like it because he was giving him affection back. Uh, you know, the, the grandkid that fa- favors the, the grandma, is the kid that's going to look like that grandkid is loved the best of all the grandkids. But that grandkid is always calling grandma. You know, it's not that she loves him anymore. But when you're leaning on Jesus all the time, you can hear his voice. Mm. And the closer you are to him. See, I mean, if, if I'm if if I'm 100 yards from you, I'm probably not going to hear you say something to me. Unless it's really quiet, quiet and you shout it. But normally I'm not going to hear you. If I'm. You know, 25 yards, I might hear you a little bit, maybe. I may not know what you said, but I'll probably hear something. But if I'm just a few feet away, I'm probably going to hear you real well. i tell you what Jesus does sometimes, and that's how we hear him. The closer we get, we're going to hear him more clearly, of course. But he'll lower his voice, I believe, at times, and he'll do that to get you to draw near, more close to him. He wants you to come close. He'll lower his voice. What did he say? I, I, I think he said this. I'm not sure. And what do you do? If you're really hungry, you begin to pray more. You, you pray more intently. You you pray more fervently. You you push back that plate. Whatever. You're going to do whatever. Why? Because you're, you think you heard something. And maybe you did. But now you've got to be sure. I've got to hear it more clearly. There's nothing wrong with that. We're human. He knows we're flesh. We're frail. You know, we've got a sinful nature. He knows all that. And so he helps us. He helps us as we draw near to him through through prayer. Prayer, it can do anything. Why? Because God can do anything. Prayer in itself can do nothing. But if our attitude is right and our spirit and our motive is right, it's going to move the hand of God. It's going to move. The universe is going to move because God is going to do something. Amen. Yeah. In those moments where 
And we have clear biblical examples. Uh, Samuel, he heard, he heard the voice of God. And he went to his man of God and he said, did you call me? No, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. He hears the voice of God again, does it again. And eventually his man of God realizes God's talking to you and tells him, go and say, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. And he obeys. And so in those moments where we think we may have heard the voice of God, it would be uh, important for us to say right there, let me make sure that this is God, not my own thoughts, not some other spirit, making sure. And, 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 and that's going to come with a, a sacrifice, right? We're going to have to be willing, as you said, uh, to push the plate back. Um, cut down a meal or even a few days worth of meals to know, to know that we know that we know that God is speaking to us in that moment. And I believe that he does that. He does that every day. Every day that he, 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 because the spirit draws all men. So he's always drawing men to himself. But whether we say, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for what you have for me, God. And then we press. And so we're pressing. Uh, and I had a pastor uh, before he retired. Um, you know, he said we pray. He would always pray against roadblocks, barriers, anything. He And, and he, he just named everything when he was praying. Especially for unique services pre-service prayer he was saying god your will whatever you have for this service whatever you have for this people and i mean we we saw an incredible revival um because of that surrenderance and that seeking the will of god and a lot of the things that came the problems that arose there were people i mean we were showing up 30 minutes uh before service and you could hear the prayer service all the way out in the parking lot right and sure. we, we i i believe we need more services like that where i mean pre-service prayer is important because it helps us find the vein of the spirit it helps us find where god wants sure. us to go right Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, I so agree with you on that, uh, Brother Crooker. Uh, churches that don't have pre-service prayer, uh, an opportunity for people to come in, I, I think it's, um, they, they struggle more because, you know, you walk in a Sunday morning church service or Sunday afternoon and people with their busy lives, not that they've been out doing wrong, but we're busy. Everybody's busy. You know, it's a busy world, and this is part of the trick of the devil. We're so busy, we don't hear from God. We don't look for God. But when we can get in there and take, like you said, maybe a half hour and pour out your soul and weep and empty out, 
I'll tell you what, you are so primed for that church service. You're primed, man. You, you don't have to wait for the altar service to say, God, I did make a mistake on Tuesday and I shouldn't have acted that way. You don't have to wait. You know, you may have not, you may have not thought of your attitude that was not so good during the week. But now you're in his presence, and, and now he's bringing it up to you because he wants everything to be right mm. between you and him. And so you're laying that down. So instead of going to the altar at the end of the service, you can take care of that in that 30 minutes. Now you can worship like a Comanche Indian, you know, worship like today's your last day to praise. And, and when the preaching starts... <laughs> It's going to blow up. It's just going to blow up. But churches that don't do that, you've been there. I, you've seen them. I've seen them. I've been part of them, you know. And I'm not criticizing, but the fact is the fact. It's formal. It's dead. And God has a hard time getting in there to do anything. He's looking for a spot. And we think we're giving him a spot, but we're not because prayer is the what opens it up. Prayer opens up your world to God. And I pray for my son that's not saved. All right? Mid-20s. When I pray for Josh to be saved, I open his world that God can walk into his world. When I pray for that church service that I'm there, pre-service prayer, I'm asking God to walk into this service, God. Take this service, God. It's not about us. It's about you. And we open up. That world, whatever it is, the person, the family, the church service, for God to walk into and perform with demonstration. Wow. Well, so on that same line, and you mentioned that we would talk a little bit about it, but I feel that that is the direction that we're going. Um, intercessory prayer. Um, so when we are praying for other people, um, or even, so we've prayed beyond our flesh, and now we're praying through the Spirit. Because the Spirit prays for things that we have no idea that we're supposed to pray for. Uh, so we could be praying in the Holy Ghost and have no idea. Could be someone halfway around the world that we're praying for. Could be someone right there in that service that we're praying for. Could be someone in our own life, could be someone in our in our neighbor's life, our friend's life, could be someone who knows nothing about God and God in that moment that we're praying through the Spirit it transforms right. their life in a moment. Exactly. It's it's so miraculous. And I, I deal with that in the book. Um you know, intercessory prayer is a Matter of fact, this is a, a phrase from the book. The prayer of intercession is not given for human understanding. It is a targeted, pinpointed prayer of the Spirit at or to a given situation or person. And I really believe that. It is so pinpointed and precise because it's you are only the vessel. You're not the one praying now. You are only the conduit. And if that conduit is not clean, it's got a bird's nest in it, it's got this and that in it, it's not clean, there's not going to be a clean flow, there's not going to be that flow that needs to be. Every church service needs a flow. When a person 
if a person has not repented like they need to, they're not going to receive the Holy Ghost. Why? Because there's a lot of junk in their pipe. And God wants to fill that with something. See, God did, God does not give us the Holy Ghost so that we could be reservoirs. We He gives us the Holy Ghost so that we can have an outflow constantly from it. And that's what the Spirit does. It's this constant outflow, the intercessory prayer. And like, like Paul said in Romans 8, uh, 27, or 26, he said, makes intercession for the saints. The Spirit makes intercession for uh, for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. See, there's a transition. God gave me this back some months ago. I was teaching a, a class. Uh, if anyone's interested, it is on my YouTube channel. It was 30 minutes. I did that every week. Um, and I had uh, probably 20, 20 or so people in my class. But it was an intercessory class. And go back to the first one if you do want to watch them. YouTube, just type in my name, Charles A. Rodas. But during, after one or two weeks of teaching this class, and I've been teaching on the subject and practicing this subject all my life, um, virtually, but God gave me something. And I, I, would, I, I, and I shared it with the class, and if I could share it with you, I will, if that's okay. Absolutely. But a, a lot of people struggle going into intercessory prayer. You know as well as I do, if you've been in church very long, there's a lot of people who have never done it. They've never, they've spoken tongues, they have the Holy Ghost, but they've never went to that deep place, of what we call travail, intercessory prayer, groanings which cannot be uttered. They've never been there. And um, a lot of times the problem is because it's not practiced in their congregation, there's not much talk about it, but if God can get some intercessors in a church, he can change the face of that church. He could change that church. He could change. He can give revival to that church. He could take, they will undergird the pastor. They will strengthen the ministries in the church. The intercessory, intercessors are the secret weapons. But what I want to say is there's a transition. Just like when a person receives the Holy Ghost, and I like to use this example. I read the book years ago by J.T. Pugh, and he wrote a book on how, how – I forget the title, but it's about receiving the Holy Ghost or helping seekers or something. I don't remember the title. But anyway, I read the book, but he used the example of Peter, how Peter, how Jesus called him. And he stepped out of the boat onto the water, onto an element that he never walked before. Okay, it was scary to him. It was different. He never saw anybody do it. He never experienced it himself. But he stepped out onto an element by faith. Okay, and JTP used that example explaining how a person receives the Holy Ghost. He's just trying in the book. He was trying to explain the the process and what's happening. And he did, you know, did it, of course an awesome job. A great man of God. He's passed away, but um, but I like to use it as well. But there's a transition as well when a person goes from speaking in tongues that has the Holy Ghost. There's a transition from tongues to groanings, which cannot be uttered. There's a transition, and God gave me that, And uh, but it works very similar to receiving the Holy Ghost. See, when a person is seeking the Holy Ghost, and you know, I've been blessed to help a few um, over the years, but I've noticed that many people have that difficulty of letting go of their native tongue, their English, you know, and I can see the tongues are right there, and they're mixing the little little bit of tongues with the hallelujah, you know, and they're speaking in tongues for a second. They go back to hallelujah, hallelujah. And, you know, and I've learned that I could say to that person, listen, forget your English and just speak what God's giving you. 
and that frees them up to know that what they're doing, what they're partially yielding to is correct and right, because I hear it. I'm able to know when someone is speaking in tongues. If Brother Crooker begins speaking in tongues right now, I would know it, right? Uh, because I have a, you know, a discerned ear, and he would know if I was. And so we are able to know, not that I would tell the secret that, I'm not even saying that, not going there, but free that person up so they could make that transition to go into that new spiritual element. And so it is when a person is praying and they have the Holy Ghost and they want to start praying with this deep intercessory prayer, groanings. Groanings is not speaking in tongues, just for the audience. It is not speaking in tongues. It is a, you have to, there is a transition from tongues to groanings and it works very similar, but you have to be willing to give up, not your English, but you have to be willing to give up your tongues. There is a transition from tongues to groanings and you have to be willing and allow God as he's ministering through you, where you'll give up the tongues for a moment and there'll be a groanings and it'll be strong. It'll be powerful. And, uh, you know, if hopefully our listeners have seen this and, and, and maybe, you know, witness someone doing this and it's not so foreign to them, but it will be very powerful upon you. It will draw you down it's drawn me down into a fetal position on my hands and knees, my knees and my face, groaning so hard. And no doubt, Brother Crooker and you know many people that have listened experienced this. But it's a powerful prayer that the Spirit is praying through you. You're not praying it. You're the conduit. You're the vessel. That's all you are. The Holy Ghost is calling all the shots. He knows what he's praying about. Why does he do it? I don't know why he does a lot of things, okay? But he does. And we've got evidence of it in the scripture, and our experiences agree with that. In Jesus' name, yes. Wow. So, to our listeners, if you have never experienced that uh, transition into uh, groanings in the Holy Ghost, uh, the Bible refers to it as travail. And when Zion travails, and so if you're looking for a revival in your church, it's going to start with individuals like yourself that are willing, as you're praying in the Holy Ghost and in tongues and the Spirit's moving on you, to step into that next level or realm of the Spirit, another dimension in the Spirit. That is where real, true, holy, changing and transitioning happens in a church body. If there's a lot of broken people in a church... When one person, all it takes is one intercessor in a church service to change the course of the lives of every individual there. Right, right. Yeah, I want to read this one little statement here again, if I could. It's uh, 
another a statement in my book. Uh, I mentioned it to my wife the other day. Actually, I was ran into some of my notes that I had put in my book, and I read that to her. Um, she said, "What? Read that again." And uh, well, she's heard me say it, but it's been a while. But this is it. One of the amazing truths of the Bible is that the announced intention and counsel of God can be altered by our intercession. To show you, so to show you how powerful intercession is, whatever God has announced that He's going to do, the intention of the Almighty God can change. By your intercession. And my wife says, is that biblical? Well, let's ask Moses. When God said, Moses, get out of the way. I'm wiping them all out. He brought them out of Israel or Egypt. Worshiping the golden calf. God says, I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to start everything with a brand new seed through you, Moses. And God, Moses said, no, no, don't do it. He said, if you do it, take my name out of your book. Take my name out of your book. Moses was interceding with all that he had. He didn't have all what we have as far as the Holy Ghost, this way of intercession. But it shows you the very intention and the anger of God was turned. And there's other examples, but that's probably the most prominent in my, my view. Powerful. Absolutely. That is... We literally... Through intercession, stand in the gap for a lot of people towards them receiving salvation. And we really should take that seriously. I, I feel that a lot of conversations I have, yeah, we're, we're doing outreach. We're teaching Bible studies and all those things. They're ne- they're necessary for the he- for a healthy church body. But we're neglecting that intercessory prayer that stands in the gap for all of these lives. And here's the thing: if one person gets a hold of intercessory prayer, that's contagious. One person gets a hold of it, and then the fire of God and the power of God transforms lives. And then another person sees that example, and they pick it up. And now you've got a whole church of people that are interceding. Right. And that's where it takes church services from the normal, so many songs, specials, Offering, preaching, altar call, where it takes a church services and changes the whole thing. Why? Because now we don't need the form. Because God has now taken that sinner's heart, and he's got tears all the way down to his socks, okay? That that lady that had pain, you know, in her side for a week, it's now gone. You know, not saying we don't preach, but sometimes we don't have to preach. I believe that. I believe the Spirit... If he calls for something to change, to me, it's a flow that we should follow. And when I've got to put God in my box and say, God, you're going to do it this way. We're going to have a church service this way. You're going to have to move over. We're going to stop this flow of the spirit. I think we're doing harm. Bible says quench not the spirit. And like you're talking uh, about the 
contagiousness about this. It's amazing. It really is, Brother Crooker, how the spirit can move. And I've seen people healed. No one touched them. No one was praying for them. Through intercessory prayer and all these other miracles, I can name miracles. I, I, I could tell you, if I could tell you a quick story, a true story. My mother and I, I was working on a church plant back in the 90s in Calumet City, Illinois. And you can Google this and find the, uh, the newspaper. I did because uh, I wish had wished I kept the headlines. But it was brand new. My wife and uh, my, my mom and I she was showing up with me on a Wednesday night, and we had Sunday church, but Wednesday night, nobody came. It was so new. It was just her and I praying. And Well, one of the things we were praying for Calumet City was it was full of alcohol. It had 31,000 people. Had, at one time, it had over 300 taverns. Okay, I don't think it had as many at that time, but for months and months, I don't know how many Five, six months probably. We prayed every Wednesday night. God, break the spirit of this alcohol, this alcoholic demon in the city. One day, we got in the major newspaper, The Times, came out the headlines out of nowhere. We're talking about a city that was like a mini Las Vegas, underground gambling, prostitution, clubs, strip joints, taverns and bars, Everywhere. It was bad. It was bad. Headlines came out after months of this kind of praying. My mom and I said the mayor, Jerry Genova, it says it's in the headlines, something to the order of is going to buy up the properties of the taverns and the clubs in the city. It is going to bulldoze those and build homes. And he did just that. He did just that. Was it an accident? Was it a coincidence? Absolutely not. It was because two unknowns, just a young guy and his mom praying against the spirit. Probably nobody had ever prayed against it in their life and challenged it. And it was conquered. And I watched the bulldozers pushing over these taverns. I could take you to the main where all the strip clubs were and the taverns the main area is gone brother it's leveled even to this day they didn't even build anything there it's all grass talking about a miracle talking about intercessory prayer that's one thing it can do wow that is incredible and we would we 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 can still see that same thing today it's just going to take stepping out of our preconceived idea of what prayer is or should be and following uh, a certain format of prayer and allowing God to take control of those reins. Right, right. Just releasing control to God. And that's where things like that, communities are changed, transformed. And the strong, spiritual strong man of you know these towns these cities these counties where we're dealing with that right now in our church it's and and here's the thing sure. the power of god supersedes any demonic activity so it doesn't matter i mean yeah you're going to have a fight it's going to be a battle but it's not a physical battle 
spiritual one. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. I totally concur with that. And um, and the devil don't like it. He don't like intercessory prayer. He doesn't like any kind of praying. But consistent, consistency is so vital. I like what Verbal Bean said one time. And uh, he said, talk, he was talking about consistency in prayer. And uh, he said, if you'll pray every day, he says, even if it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, let's just say. He said, that 15 minutes of consistent prayer all month is more, means more to God than if you had one night a week prayed all night. And that's all you did for the month. It was an all night prayer time. God would rather see you pray just 15 minutes a day. Uh, we know Verbal Bean was a great prayer warrior. He was one to, to pray only 15 minutes. But using that example, and that's what I believe as well, I, I'm just convinced by what he said consistency is so key and that's why i believe if you get a place to pray pray you know to me i i can take you to the area in my bedroom where i pray every day okay uh i got a certain time i pray every day i, I believe the place is important the time is important um why because if you're always praying somewhere different you are going to be distracted easier People leave their phones on, their phones ringing. You know, you got to turn off everything. You got to shut the door. If there's a spouse and kids or whatever, if possible, let them know. I'm going to be praying you take care of things. Why? Because you've got to get in your closet. What was Jesus talking about? He wasn't talking about a closed closet where your shoes and everything is all piled up. You know, he's talking about that excluded place where you and God are. I don't care if it's a warehouse. You and God are somewhere together. You are alone. Nothing else is on your mind. And you're going to seek him. You're going to pray through. You're going to weep. You're going to pour out so he can pour in. Mm. Amen. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost right now, Brother Rodas. I don't know about you, but I got Holy Ghost goosebumps all up and down me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, you know, he wants a clean heart and a clean spirit, Brother Crooker. I'm sorry if I overtalk you. I don't mean to because there's a little a little glitch here I can hear. I don't know if you can hear it, so I'm not sure always when you're talking. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's just part of technology. Uh, we know sometimes that happens. But Jude said, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And see, you could be down and discouraged and despondent and depressed. And let me say this about depression for all of you out there that haven't heard a lot about intercessory prayer. This is so vital and key. Most people, even myself, sometimes have these temptations or feelings of depression. But what you have to understand is uh, the call to intercessory prayer is a similar feeling to depression. You're going to feel something that feels like depression. There's a fine line. They're, they're, they feel about the same. And when you're feeling depressed, it may not be depression. It may not be. I've had the Holy Ghost call me while eating dinner. I've had him call me while driving down the street in my car. I have to pull over somewhere. I, back a little while back, I was talking to my daughter on the phone. She's 30-something years old. Talking 
just dad and daughter talking and laughing. We're just like alike and we laugh and like to have a good time, right? But I had already been feeling something pulling on me, but it really was pulling on me now. I'm sitting on my couch. It's pulling on me. It's telling me I got to go pray. I got to go pray. And I knew what it was. It was that it was a call to intercession. And you, you push it too long, it'll go. It'll go. It's gone for the night. Probably won't come back tonight. You got to obey. You got to do it quick. I knew. I said, Lucretia, I said, she knows she's an intercessor. She's followed her daddy very close. Powerful young lady with God. And uh, uh, I said, I got to go. I said, the Holy Ghost is calling me to pray. And you know how it is. I said, I'll talk to you later. And we hung up and I went to pray. You got to obey the spirit. And you go, you intercede if it's 10 minutes, if it's an hour, whatever it is. And you pour it out until it empties out. And yeah, God's done with you. You're, he's done with you for the moment. You got to make yourself available. Consistency, availability, and in those two things, obedience. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. And it is a call. It's a call. Because as you said, it could be it could be any any moment, it could be any time, when God is calling us to intercede for someone else. I read, I don't remember if I read it or if it was a preacher that said this. Uh, he was on the phone uh, with his son, um, and I don't even remember the preacher's name, but he was on the phone with his son, and his wife came up to him and said, hey, we got to pray. We have to pray right now. I don't know why, but we have to pray right now. And they did. He was on the phone with his son. He got T-boned by a semi-truck. And that should have taken his life. But it's, and that's how it works, that intercessory prayer. Amen, amen. We literally stand in the gap. Praise God. And it's powerful. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes, it is powerful. Thank you. Jesus, man. It's awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Well, if we'll do it, God will do it. God's waiting on us. We're wait- we think we're waiting on God. We're not waiting on God. He's waiting on us. He's always waiting on us. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Praise God. Amen. Well, Brother Rodas, this has been this has been uh, an incredible session. I I love what I feel right now. I would go for another hour. I would. I really Praise would. God. I could. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I know we could break out here and <laughs> Get to get to intercede ourselves if we're not careful. <laughs> God is good. Well, that's, that's what it's all about. Where yeah, you talk about it and it stirs it up, just like your kids sitting around a, a bonfire and a camp out. They get to telling scary stories and all the kids get scared. We get to talking about intercessory prayer. And we all get to want to pray, <laughs> but that's called the spirit of prayer. Mm. See, the Bible, Bible uses the term spirit of holiness, but there's also a spirit of prayer. And that spirit of, that terminology, it just means the mindset or the frame of mind. And when you get a frame of mind and you get to praying, the more you pray, the more you want to pray. 
And it won't be so hard. It won't be a drudgery. You will be making yourself all the time because you'll look forward to praying, to, to seeking after God, because, you know, God's going to do something. That's that's what the spirit of prayer is all about. Amen. Amen. We really appreciate your time, Brother Rodas. Uh, this has been a blessing and an encouragement. And I believe that uh, the, those that hear it uh, when it airs, they're going to feel that same Holy Ghost power that we feel right now. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity as a blessing. Uh, is there anything before we close out this episode that you want to uh, leave the listeners with? Well, if you're interested in learning more about it, um, I, I, I don't have the mind to promote my books, even though I do promote them. Uh, kind of a new author. Uh, I've got six books working on my seventh, but still I feel new because I'm always learning, trying to learn more. But you can find my newest book, The Urgent Need of the Hour slash Revival Praying. You can find that on uh, Amazon. I have that in uh, uh, paperback and Kindle. And uh, my fasting book, Fasting Secrets Revealed, Breakthrough Fasting, that is also there. That is also not just uh, Amazon and paperback, but I have that in an audible version where you can listen to it, which is pretty cool. I'm going to do the same with the book on prayer sooner or later. And I have some others as well on uh, on different subjects. But uh, go ahead, take a look at them if they interest you. We'd be blessed if you would uh, pick it up, and I know you'll be blessed as well. Amen. Also, uh, in case you missed the first part or skipped past the first part, uh, he also has a series of um, videos on his YouTube uh, about intercessory prayer. Um, and so I encourage you to go check those out as well. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.